Today's Bible passage is from Hebrews chapter 13, uh, verses 1 to 25. I think that's the whole chapter. Alex, when you're ready. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Marriage should be honoured by all, and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Keep your lives free from the love of money, and be content with what you have, because God has said, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, The Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by eating ceremonial foods, which is of no benefit to those who do so. We have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name, and do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority, because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. Pray for us. We are sure that we have a clear conscience and desire to live honourably in every way. I particularly urge you to pray so that I may be restored to you soon. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Brothers and sisters, I urge you to bear with my word of exhortation, for in fact I have written to you quite briefly. I want you to know that our brother Timothy has been released. If he arrives soon, I will come with him to see you. Greet all your leaders and all the Lord's people. Those from Italy send you their greetings. Grace be with you all. Well, good morning, friends. Great to be here again. 
Great to see Darwin and Debbie sitting here. I hope they're not embarrassed by my sermon. Just excuse me while I sort out the technology. Well, let me ask you, do you love your job? If you've got a job, that is. Do you love your job? I'm not just talking about paid work. Whatever work you do, do you love it? The secular leadership management guru, Simon Sinek, um, tells the story of buying coffee at the Four Seasons in Las Vegas. He got to chatting with the barista, Noah, and asked him if he enjoyed his job. Without skipping a beat, Noah said, I love my job. Now, it's normal for people to say, I like my job or I really like my job. Uh, and that's a rational response. But to so quickly and spontaneously say, I love my job, meant something more emotional, more, something that was deeper and richer was going on for Noah. When he asked why he loved it, Noah said, whenever one of the managers walks by, they asked, is there anything you need? or anything I can do for you to make your job better. Not just his own manager, but all the managers who walked by. Noah said he also worked in another hotel, and there the managers, when they walk by, are on the lookout for what he's doing wrong and the mistakes he's making and correcting him. There he aims to just keep his head below the surface and make it through the week to collect his paycheck. He said, it's only at the four seasons when I feel I can be myself in my work. I wonder which of those two hotels where Noah worked do you think got the best work from him? Which of them got the best work from him? Darwin and Debbie and their children are going to be joining EPC uh, officially tomorrow night and Darwin is going to be serving you as the senior minister. What will it take from you for him to be able to say spontaneously to people further afield when they ask him about his job now at EPC for him to say spontaneously I love my work at EPC not I like working at EPC, but I love it. I love being their pastor. What will it take from you to inspire his heart so that he instinctively wants to give you his best? Because that's what you want, isn't it? You want the best from him. You want Darwin and Debbie to be able to give their best. Now, I'm going to focus on... Hebrews 13, verse 17, we'll come to the rest of it a little bit later. But let me read it to you again. It says, Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. So the question this morning is, How can you, as a church, make Darwin and Debbie's work amongst you such a joy 
to their heart that they want to give their best to you. Now, I should uh, get myself going with technology, shouldn't I? Okay, thank you for uh, keeping up. Now, our experiences of work vary quite a bit, don't they? Uh, They vary in our homes, in our paying jobs, in our church roles, in our community roles. Um, A really big part of what makes our experience at work good or not is the people we work with. Some places where we work inspire us to give our best and some feel just like a burden. In verse 17, the word translated burden is actually the Greek word for groaning. Have you ever woken up to face the day's work and groaned at the thought of it? Like anybody else, ministers can sometimes groan at their work. Ministers I know really want to give their best. But sometimes the thought of walking into church, of visiting that person, of fronting up to that meeting, just makes them groan. Experts in burnout tell me that one of the biggest factors, and there are a number of factors, but one of the biggest leading to burnout is the people we work with and the people we work for and how we are treated by them. It may not be the job in itself, that can be perfectly fine. It's the way we're treated in our work. Any fellowship of God's people, any church can push their good-hearted minister to burn out by the way they treat him. And a burnt-out minister simply cannot give of his best. He needs serious recovery time. So there is no advantage to anyone in making a minister's job burdensome. But if his work is a joy... Everyone here will benefit. So that raises two questions. What is his work, Darwin's work that is, and how can you make Darwin's work a joy for him and for Debbie? So what is his work? His work is to keep watch over you. It says that in verse 17. The word for watch is a word that means to keep awake, keep alert. I hope you'll get plenty of sleep, but that's the idea of the watchman. He's the one who keeps alert to what's going on. I'm old enough not to be embarrassed to say that I'm enjoying watching the new series of all creatures, great and small. Um, Now, we're all wondering how the romance is going to go. Um, uh, We're glad that they're together. And we're glad that Tristan has finally passed his exams. But have you noticed as you've watched the program, if you have, if you're willing to admit that you have, have you noticed how the farmers mostly are vigilantly watching over their herds and flocks? Are any of them poorly? Do I need to call James out to, do, to see them? 
It's pastoral language here in Hebrews. As a shepherd watches over his herds and flocks, so a minister, a leader, watches over God's people. Are they well in Christ? Or do they need help and encouragement or warning or loving care? How can I help them flourish? Darwin's job is to keep watch over you, literally keep watch over your souls. He is to be your shepherd, actually an under-shepherd of the Lord Jesus Christ, of course, but a shepherd nonetheless. It's not his job to watch over your pet dog or your pet cat or the flock of sheep you're keeping in the backyard. Anyone keeping a flock of sheep in the backyard? It's not his job to watch over your medical conditions. It's not his job to watch over your social life. It is his job that is one step deeper than any of that that affects all of those others. His job is to watch over your soul first and foremost. Your spiritual well-being. Your inner person as it stands before the living God. As a hen watches over her chicks and a shepherd watches over his, his sheep, as a father watches over his family, as a doctor watches over his patients, so Darwin is coming to watch over your souls. He is the local doctor of your souls for you. And as a shepherd is accountable to the owner of the sheep, as a father is accountable for the welfare of his wife and children, as a doctor is accountable for the medical care he gives, so Darwin will stand before the living God on that great and terrible last day and give an account of his care of your souls. But what's involved in watching over your souls? At this point, we could jump into the Westminster Confession. And uh, if you forgive this slight adaptation, his job is to pray for you and with you, to read the scriptures with you, to feed you by preaching the scriptures to you, to catechise you so that you know the faith, to preach the mystery of the gospel to the world, to administer the sacraments, to bless you, and to take care of the poor and to exercise a ruling power over God's flock here. That's his job. Sounds simple, doesn't it? It's quite a list. I'd encourage you to look that up in the Westminster Confession. It'll do you great benefit to do so. It's also uh, edifying to consider the different ways his role is described elsewhere. Uh, I'm an Anglican. Um, So here is an Anglican form of words. Ministers are to be messengers, watchmen and stewards of the Lord, to teach and forewarn, to feed and provide for the Lord's family, to seek for Christ's sheep who are scattered abroad and for for his children who are surrounded by temptation in this world, that they may be saved through Christ forever. Now, each of those descriptions will give you, I hope, 
a sense of the breadth and the gravity of Darwin's work amongst you. We can also look at the way the scriptures themselves speak about the work. There are many great passages we could look to, but let's go to one small passage, and that's Colossians 1, 28 and 29. It's one of the favourites I have. He says, uh, and summing up his own apostolic work, Paul says, he, that is Jesus Christ, is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Now, there are several parts to his job according to these couple of verses. One is that he is to proclaim Christ. He is to do the work of an evangelist in partnership with you. He will have his eye out for visitors and will want to help people to follow them up, to be sure that they know the Lord Jesus. He will want to help you reach out to the community with the gospel. Sometimes he will need to leave the 99 and go after the one lost sheep to find him or her. He will want to proclaim Christ to the world with you. And so he will also want to proclaim Christ to every believer as he is to admonishing, admonish and teach with all wisdom. Darwin is to lead you constantly to the Lord Jesus Christ by instructing you in the scriptures and, and their implications for his, your lives. And he is to speak often gently but sometimes firmly with your heart and will about the message of the scriptures He'll be appealing to you about them, calling upon you to follow the Lord Jesus, urging and encouraging you to do that. And he is to do this with a singular aim, the aim of presenting you to God on the last day as fully mature in Christ. And he will strenuously work at this just like the Apostle. So Darwin ha has a goal in mind for each one of you, even before he's formally arrived, and that is your spiritual maturity, individually and together, your deep godliness, your holiness. That may and probably will involve him in helping you to see what the Scriptures say as you go through life with him, especially through tough experiences, because it's in the fires of the foundry, isn't it, that the dross is removed and the pure silver emerges. But however you grow, Darwin's supreme aim will always be for your good, for your spiritual maturity as a disciple of Jesus Christ, and that will be the primary expression of his love for you.
You are Christ's bride. And his job is to present you in the great beauty of holiness to the bridegroom, Jesus, on the last day. Now, all of this is difficult work. It's taxing, it's draining, it's exhausting. And it will engage much spiritual warfare. Someone has said, well, that ministry is the hardest job in the world. The hardest. It's true. But it's also the best job. Darwin's job is a hard job, a very hard job. Like all ministers, there will be time when he's under immense stress, great pressure, heavy demands. He will need to endure all kinds of conflict, humbly and selflessly. He will feel bereft over some. He will grieve deeply over others. There are times when he'll be heartbroken and close to tears over you. He will endure the failure of some, the frustrations of others, and many disappointments and even betrayal. There will be times when much will be on his heart, but he won't be able to say anything because of confidentiality. But there will be other times when he'll be overwhelmed with joy as he watches from a front row seat God at work in people's lives. He will get tired. No, he's going to get exhausted and badly need his time off and his holidays he is to pace him, if he's to pace himself properly. While Debbie will, of course, be his first line of public personal support and you must respect and support her in her role as his wife and companion and as a busy mother herself. While she is Darwin's primary support, humanly speaking, he and they together are going to need your support your encouragement as well. So, we come back to the original question. How do you make his work a joy? How do we make his work a joy? At one level, it might sound like a strange thing to say to some ears. We live in such a consumer-minded world where, as the customer, people serve us and where we like to tell people our rights and how we are to be served. Thank you very much. That's the spirit of our age, isn't it? And in fact, there might be some here right now who think to themselves, look, we're employing Darwin. His paycheck is his motivation, and it's his job to serve us in a way that we prefer. We will assert our rights to be served to our satisfaction. Thanks very much. But I need to say that is such a wrong view of a minister, a profoundly wrong attitude for a church and a recipe for a minister to work half-heartedly. God's people are not about rights and power, but about love and service. Rights and power are the way of this world and you will have suffered under it somewhere, somehow, and you watch it on TV every day. 
but the Lord Jesus came among us as not one to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That Lord Jesus is Darwin's role model. And he is likewise your role model, that is the Lord Jesus. In God's family, we're not about rights and powers. We're about laying down our life in love and service for each other. The church is not a business like a restaurant with the staff at our beck and call. It's not a government service agency where we can demand our benefits, but a family brought together by Jesus Christ himself and his cross that we might love each other as he has loved us and follow Jesus together in a life of service. And so as a church family, you have the power to make Darwin's work of leading you a joyful delight or something simply to be endured reluctantly. Each person here will play their own role in that outcome. What can you do to bring out the best in Darwin and Debbie and the children? Well, our verse says it. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as, they must give, as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work may, will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. See how it spells out what we must do to make their work a joy. What must we do? How do we make his work a joy? By having confidence in him as leader and submitting to his authority. Some of the other translations and the earlier version of the NIV don't use the expression, have confidence in your leaders. They just say, obey your leaders and submit to them. But the actual, the new NIV has got it right. The idea of the word is to allow yourself to be persuaded by him, to trust him, to put your confidence in him and all your leaders and to submit to his authority as the watchman appointed by God for you. That word submit gets a lot of bad press today. But it has to do with yielding to his leadership. This is not mindless submission, but a considered decision intelligently made to give way to his leadership. He will exercise his authority in concert, of course, with the session. But he is in a unique role. He is a full-time pastor among you. So looking at the rest of the chapter as just one example of many places we could go in the New Testament, going back to verse 1, as he exhorts you to love each other as brothers and sisters, so 
submit to his leadership and love each other. Do better at loving one another. As he exhorts you to be hospitable, especially to outsiders, so work at being hospitable. As he exhorts and admonishes you to honour your marriages and to keep the marriage bed pure in these wicked and adulterous days, make sure you sober yourself to do so and take great care to protect your own marriage bed and the marriage beds of others. As he challenges you in the, about the worldliness, uh, the worldly folly of a love of money and urges you instead to find your security and con- contentment in the Lord. So do so. Put your security not in your wealth, but in the Lord. And use your wealth for God's purposes, freely and generously. He will, he, as he calls you in this age, to go outside the camp to Jesus and to bear the shame and reproach of reproach of following Jesus when it's it's a world where it's contemptible and dangerous to do so, then go out with Jesus. Trust Jesus and go courageously. And so on. We could go to lots of other passages and more of this passage. But it's by your eager willingness to put your confidence in Darwin and submit yourselves to his lead gladly, willingly and intelligently that you'll make his work a joy for him. It is, of course, the ornery sheep who are forever arguing with the shepherd, who refuse to be directed, who runs off in fanciful directions, who disrupts the the peace of the flock, These are the ones who will make him groan and struggle to give of his best. You will have no advantage at all in having a discouraged, groaning minister. But you have every advantage in having a minister who is loving his work among you because of the way you respond to him with confidence and submitting yourself to him. What if you disagree somehow with some action or decision? Then work it out privately with him first. Not by gossip or social media or partisan divisions whispering in the corners or power plays, which only dishonours God's name and dishonours God's people. Go to him privately, secretly, and work it out with him. Protect the love of the fellowship here. Work relationally with each other, not bureaucratically with each other. Well... I hope uh, most of you have seen that note in the weekly email and it's in the printed version here today. 
of this little book. It's only a tiny little book, Fight for Your Pastor, that Jeff and I have recommended to you. God has been very kind uh, in providing a man like Darwin and his wife Debbie to come and work among you. Very kind to you indeed. He will have his own personality, Darwin will, his own style in his work, his own quirks and differences, his own strengths and failings, just like the rest of us. But let me urge you to invest in his ministry and in this family. Love them. Cherish them. Forgive them often. Encourage them. Work with them. Fight for them. Most of all, Invest by making his joy, his making his work a joy through your own decisive willingness and your own confidence in him and submission to his leadership. You know, Noah, that barista, spontaneously said he loved his job. It was a place where he was respected and supported enthusiastically. May you so respond to Darwin and respect him and Debbie and encourage him and love him and his family that Darwin himself will be able to say, in 10 years' time, I still just love working at Epping Presbyterian Church. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Thank you for the grace of your gospel. Thank you for the grace of giving us people to teach and exhort and encourage, rebuke and correct us by your word. We thank you for providing Darwin and Debbie as they come to Epping Presbyterian Church. We thank you for providing them and their ministry here. Father, we pray for the whole church here that everyone would work hard to have confidence in their brother in Darwin and his ministry and would submit to his leadership and have it as their passion to make his work among them a joy. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Your kingdom comes. So we pray that um, 